What's our mascot? Welcome back to Two Homers and a Realist. This is the first of the preseason 2023 pods. We are back from a summer of construction and fun. We are ready to start building a winning championship season. I'm Steve. I'm Connor. Jay. Lucas. So we're here at full strength. We're ready to go. We are exactly, is that right, exactly one month away from 30 days away? Exactly one month from today, we will be playing football in Norman, Oklahoma. Wow, against the mighty Red Wolves of Arkansas State. And we're, we're what was it, Jay, a 34-point favorite initially so. right now? I, I'm going to take the over. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to say we're going to cover that. You would. <laughs> no, 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 you're wrong. It's not 34. It's not 34 and a half. It's 33. Oh, so. then I'm a hard cover on that one wonder how many of our players will bet on that game like the iowa state and iowa players my god what a wake-up call i hope they don't do we want dylan gabriel to bet on it though (laughs) well it's not legal in the state of oklahoma as long as jackson because we're behind the times was it and it wasn't that it was illegal no it's legal in iowa it was just that obviously against betting against himself well the iowa state quarterback and everything else was having it done under his mom's name wow but they somehow tracked it to his phone doing it that sounds like Which, an accusation how, that needs to be proven I don't know in how court they, of law. How the, uh, I think he's on video. Whatever, how did they get that evidence? That's what I'm wondering. That That's pretty questionable all the way Whatever down. Whatever gambling board they've got in Iowa is pretty strict, apparently. Yeah, maybe they can just disclose anything they want about you. I, I'm going to come down on the player's side on this one. <laughs> well, let's talk about some things, and, and we'll, we'll go farther than Iowa, because let's talk about conference realignment. It is very much in the news. This is catching everybody's um, eye, I think. It is accelerating the way it did over the past couple of years all of a sudden. And, and this was a prediction I've made before is that it'll come in these waves and all of a sudden everybody starts running for the exits. We're seeing that, it seems, in the Pac-12 that the breakup, the what seems to be the imminent breakup of that league is really shaking up every different school, making them think they need to find a new home. I would be that way if I were a president or an AD at one of those schools. Yeah, that's a good old-fashioned bank run to the big boys. It sure is. <laughs> and you've got, you've obviously got the Big 12 that's on the hunt for schools potentially like Utah, Arizona, Arizona State. The Big 12 celebrating the fact they got Colorado. Maybe if we get a time machine, that'll actually be a good team to bring into the conference. You've got rumors that Oregon, Washington, Stanford, Cal might go to the Big Ten. You've got rumors that Florida State and Clemson are really shopping hard, which you've got to thank Florida State, Virginia Tech, I'm sorry, Miami, Virginia Tech, and North Carolina aren't far behind. So let's let's Clemson talk about well, that yeah. and make Clemson some, yeah, well. did I mention Clemson and Florida State? Maybe I said that wrong. Um, they're the ones that are rumored to be really uh, shopping. So I doesn't surprise me at all. I, I think there's some obvious natural fits there uh, and some others that are a little bit of an oddball connection. Uh, what do you guys think uh, about it all? And where do you think it'll end up? I think it ends up with probably three 20-team conferences being, you know, FBS 1A or whatever, and then all the also-rans that can't make it into one of those three conferences, you know, the remnants of the ACC, the remnants of the Pac-12, a huge American the group of fives that can't move their way up like the Cincinnati's and Houston's have done now. Everybody that's left is just going to have to be in the FBS 2A or whatever they end up calling it, and they'll they can have their own national championship. 
Well, that's know, the thing is you could, with, with that second tier, you could almost three. have a 40-team league split up into two separate divisions and have your own, like you just said, FBS-1A yeah. or whatever you want to call it. Um, Do you time it right? You could have that going on in what is traditional early bowl, bowl season and negotiate your potentially own rights get to, some, yep. some viewership. Yeah, I think, I mean, the, the thing that strikes me, and I've, I've told you guys and we've talked about it, but it just underscores even more so how great OU and Texas's timing was in this whole thing. I mean, imagine if we're on this end right now where we're up in the air, and, and it's a good conversation to be having if you're a Florida State fan probably right now, but still it's you don't know what's going to happen. I mean, crazy, for sure. crazier things have happened, right? Where, I mean, I was reading an article the other day about when the Big, the big 12 shakeup happened a few years ago, or I guess, what, 10 years ago, over 10 years ago years now. 13 years ago, yeah. Um, when OU said they're, they're aligning to the, the Pac-12 and Texas is looking at the ACC um, and just how things just, how odd things played out after that. So um, I'm very thankful for the timing that we had when we, when we had it a couple years ago and, and we decided to, to make that move. Um, I'm with Lucas in the consensus of, I do think you see three 20 league conferences or 20 team conferences to make up this predominant division one league that we see and i think it's for the best i mean i think from uh what we want to see as viewers and as fans it makes the most sense and steve you brought up a good point earlier there's only so much tv to go around right um and even something that i said at dinner it's going to be interesting to see some of these some of these teams who's going to or leagues who's the first league that goes to amazon prime who's the first league that like we mentioned apple apple tv plus was pitched in the the Pac-12 uh, this week. So I think it, it's just, I've had some conversation with some friends. It's so crazy to see where we're at right now relative to where we are, where we were even five years ago. Um, and this even was so th- theoretical back yeah. then. And, and just how unfolding. even 2024 is going to be absolute madness. With the new conferences, the 12-team playoff, it is going to be absolutely crazy. I, I'm super excited. I think it's, I think it's positive change um, across the board, so I'm all for competition. I think just as a fan of football in general, if you do get it down to 60 teams and that's where 99% of the, quote, Division One prospects from high school go to those 60 teams, you're going to have a better overall football product on the field week in, week out. You know, you're still going to have – your blue bloods and your your teams that dominate at the top because they'll just get even more of those players. But I do think it makes for a more week in, week out. Yeah. I think everyone will have a fairly difficult schedule oh, yes. regardless. Yeah, I would think so too. I do think there would be a difference between... Cream puffs are... Oh, there will, won't be there. There won't be cream puffs. Yeah. I think you'll see a difference between the, the, the two elite leagues being the SEC and the Big Ten... And a Big 12 being a clear second um, but at below large, them. At large type but of I do think that across the board, all of those, if you pick out the traditional weakest teams, a Rutgers, a Vanderbilt, a Kansas, all of them will be better in that, give it five years or more, all of those teams will be better and relatively better than what we see today. And this dispersion between top and bottom will be less. Um, because of what you say, that you're going to see a migration of talent, and that is where it starts to get really scary for a team that may not make the cut in any of those. 
a team that may not make the Big 12, where you're looking at that as your last refuge. If you're a Boise State, you've got to be really worried. If you're one of the any of the Pac-12 schools who don't have a home come 2024 right now, you've got to be worried. Even if you're a middle of the tier, uh, middle of the line school right now, trying to recruit, and I mean Florida State not yeah. being able to tell recruits hey, where are you going like, to be. Where are you going to be? Are you guys you guys think it's going to work out That's in the ACC? Are you going to go to the SEC? Um, which again kind of goes back to that timing that I mentioned earlier, being able to position ourselves where we're at and and not only be able to say we're going to the SEC, but saying we're going to the SEC in 2024. And it's a done deal. And it's done. Contract and signed. Move everything's forward. on. Yeah. It's huge. It's so, a really big deal. Um, I think it's ever more important for teams to position themselves quickly, which for Colorado, credit to them. I mean, I'm not saying the move to the Big 12 was I, – I think it's a pretty – neutral move for a team like Colorado at this point. But it's necessary. But it's necessary with where the Pac-12's headed and to be able to give those recruits the um, confidence that they're going to be, they're going to belong to one of these conference, conferences that's going to have more than 12 teams in it and is going to be in the mix for some of these 12-team uh, playoff conversations. Uh, it's a really big deal. I so. would say they're probably ahead of anybody except USC and UCLA right now because they know their future. They know they're in a league. Now, these other schools obviously could accelerate really quickly, but if you're Oregon, if you're recruiting against Oregon, you absolutely are playing up that story if they don't have a home come 2024. Yep. What are you what, what are you really signing up for? And they have to be worried about that. Now, likely they're going to land in some place really good. I'm betting it's going to be the Big Ten, but it doesn't have to be. It could be they're the best school in the Big 12 in a really weird geographical situation. I think Colorado's smart getting back in the Big 12 because now they're back in on Texas recruiting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Right now they can go at, they can go to California, but you're already fighting against USC and UCLA who are moving to another conference. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're gonna play games in Stanford and Cal, but getting back into the Texas market. Oh yeah. With Tech, TCU, Baylor. So much Houston, closer psychologically help and geographically. Well, especially for the older fans. With of Colorado, yeah, they were in the Big Eight. Yeah, they were in the Big Twelve. You know, Boulder. Boulder is easy to sell too when you're selling Boulder against yes. uh, Lubbock, Texas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, um, yeah. I have a question. So, OU and Texas going to the SEC makes it 16 teams, right? Uh huh. So to get to 20, you're going to add four teams. So let's say Florida State, Miami, Clemson, and Virginia Tech. Let's say, is there a possibility of kicking Vanderbilt out? and bringing in a North Carolina. I think there's always a possibility. It's just really difficult and very expensive. I think people that discount those possibilities based on tradition don't understand the way that this works right. because money talks and, and everybody can come to the table and negotiate something where they all walk away satisfied with a, a breakup. So I think it's possible, it's unlikely, but it's definitely possible where it's in everyone's best interest it's a big check that you're writing to Vanderbilt and you probably have to find them some kind of a good home. But let's be honest, do they care about playing football? Yeah, at this I was, was going to say they Vanderbilt, no could, maybe they could care less. And I maybe mean, they'd actually prefer not to. If you bring in those five teams I just named, they're all brands. Florida State, Miami, those have been huge for And they want to play 30, football 40 competitively. Years, right. And then North Carolina over the last decade has been a, an upper tier yeah, of the ACC. Well, and you bring in you bring in basketball revenue with North Carolina as well. Yeah, and, and they I, want I think basketball to be doesn't play good. into anything. Yeah, I would tend to agree. But, but it North Carolina is a name. They have their own Pantone. You know that Carolina Blue is a and you don't trademark. know they're a Jordan school. You yeah. also don't know that that 
other sports even have to be tied to football another alliances. Another really good point that I want to I mean, you to think, think Duke basketball about, is just going to go away because right. they're no longer in an ACC? No, right. I don't think so. Duke's going to— Well, just like today, we, we have—the alignment has to be different for wrestling. Um, baseball makes a lot of sense in a lot of places to realign that and make it different. There's just a lot of places where your traditional or your locked-in conference, there's not a lot of teams in that sport, in those lower sports. It makes sense to have a different alignment for that. I think we need more of it. I'm a pretty open-minded guy about it, and I think everyone can come along in that respect. And then you're talking, well, we have this alignment for basketball, and it's very, very different for football, where the overlap is, is, you know, partial but not full and complete. Well, well that way, that way, you that. know, Oregon we've seen that women's basketball doesn't have to travel cross country to right. play their games. Right. Right. They. Right. They're, they play in a West Coast league of some kind. Yeah, and you just look at the basketball schools. They could find the, form their own alignment so that they get – because they're, they're not going to map naturally to this 60-conference or 60-team, three-conference matchup we're talking about or something approximate, approximately like that, which is, seems to be the evolution. You would maybe rather have a different alignment, even if it ends up being 60 teams, but it's probably more like 80 or 100 or some number because of the way basketball works, then you're having a completely different league matchup. So you might have the same concept, but all of a sudden teams that are in the Big Ten in football and in the uh, SEC in football, they actually are in the same conference when it comes to basketball. Or look at the ACC or look at the Big 12 or whatever. So I, mean, I think got, that makes a lot of sense. schools that don't play football that are big now. Gonzaga, huge right. basketball. I mean, right. They're in the top You'd 10 every to year. Have them in a basketball they're not a football conference. school. you got yeah. St. Joe's. You've got... I mean, there's tons of basketball, Vander, or, uh, Creighton, Villanova. I mean, tons Xavier of schools don't play football. Even Connecticut uh, to a degree over time. Nope, so, they're Fiesta Bowl runner-ups. <laughs> <laughs> I do think that the Vanderbilt is a really intriguing one because they are so academic and so non-sport oriented that it really makes sense that they yeah, would find an exit. baseball is all they have. Baseball they're, is something. Really and they can stay team. with baseball. They yeah. stay. That's a different alignment. But I think brand name wise, if if you got the core four that we're talking about, Florida State, Miami, um, Clemson, and then Virginia Tech or North Carolina, one of those, yeah, one well, or the other, better. but either one of those schools is better than a Vander, Vanderbilt year after year. Well, I'll do you one better. You to get the money to kick Vanderbilt out and kick them out is a harsh way of putting it, but to make it a um, mutually desirable situation where they exit from the football scene. You add Florida State, Clemson, Miami, and Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Yeah. Then you have all the money in the world. But then to you're do not having to kick Vanderbilt out because then you're do. 20. Well, okay, and then add a Virginia Tech or, a, or, North, or North, North Carolina. Carolina. But I'm saying the key is get those three ACC schools plus Notre Dame, and you write any check you want. I think to write. if Notre Dame ever goes anywhere, it's the Big Ten. They've they've played. The tons only conference of, they've ever been in is the ACC. They've played tons of games against Michigan, Michigan State. Sure. Overtime. Oh, um, I think it's a bidding war between the two. USC, they they I'm played not saying home and home well, forever. That's why the SEC needs going, to go after them. That's why. The, yeah, open the up 10. the conversation. This, you got you to talk about it. But that's the opportunity that you have there. I, I think it's the same thing could be said for Clemson and Florida State, that it's more of a natural fit to be in the SEC, and yet we're hearing rumors that they're going to the Big Ten. So, no, I think you're right that that is the historical fit, but it 
it doesn't mean it has to be that way. What I do find peculiar is that Notre Dame not in a conference. I think the pressure's got to be on that they've got to move to a they conference. Can't, it's not sustainable to do what they're doing. Money-wise or recognition-wise? Yeah, the whole BCS agreement they used to have was trash, in my opinion, back when they had... What was their agreement with the BCS? As long as they were in the top, in the top whatever. whatever they, they went to New Year's Day or better game or whatever. And I always thought that was garbage to give them preferential treatment, essentially. And they only made the national championship one time in the BCS, right? I think. Did they make Did no, they ever make the it? Was the Manti Teo year BCS? 2012, yeah. That was when they played Alabama. That wasn't a playoff? That no. Was a, oh, you're right. Yeah, no, that wouldn't be a playoff. Yeah, and they got hammered. So, I don't, I don't like the preferential treatment thing, but, I mean, if they get – Maybe they're just in the next group of the 61 to mm. 100 era. That's going to look real bad. And they end up playing the leftovers of the Pac-12 and the leftovers of the That's ACC. That's where it's not sustainable. Every person that. in that administration if, from the top down would be fired. Yep. If, if, they, if they allowed I'm it should, I'm saying they're still independent, but we don't allow them to play the the 60-team Elevated Core. conference, right? Yeah. And that's the thing too. Is elevated, like, and there would be a, there would be a, a, a <clears throat> some degree of collusion there that probably would would go on. I mean, it's at a conference level, so you can collude somewhat. But there'd also be the, just the flat out: it's not in our interest to play you. Yeah, but if all three of these conferences break off and leave the NCAA, which has been talked about for the last decade, yeah, then they clearly don't play. Yeah, then if you're going to stay independent and not join one of these three conferences of twenty teams, then. You're on the outside looking in. Oh, absolutely. And we're not going to play you off, you know. Which is the threat that's out there. Is out of conference. Among so many for, for every school, and they have to put themselves, they, if there's arrogance, they need to check it at the door. They need to realize they're on the outside looking in at this point. There is no guarantee Well, and that's here. the thing. There's no incentive right now for Notre Dame to say we need to remain independent. There's no incentive. I mean, yeah, outside, the of, outside of the NBC contract. That's that's what which you will, That's 100% their incentive. Which, what is the what is the deal? What is the, what just, are the numbers They just re-upped it that? last season. See, that's crazy to me. They just did like an eight-year deal that, or something with that NBC. That may end up being one of the poor decisions that's been made in the history of college football. If they – that could in, – in, in, Unless they just bite a bullet and, and buy their way out of it, which will be very expensive. And then even then it looks like a mistake. Well, that's why I think there's a better chance of going to Big Ten because NBC is going to cover some Big Ten games this year. Make it CBS work, has moved from the SEC in, to yeah. Big Ten. ESPN has a smaller amount. Yeah. And then NBC has. Well, again, everyone can NBC win. Got, just like the Vanderbilt deal on the other side. Yeah, they did. So everybody would, can win. That would make more sense for Notre Dame to go to the Big Ten. Yeah, everybody can win in that deal. If they just get creative and start – figuring out what they want to do but it it's fascinating to me and i and i look at it thinking about the the original i rate eight and all the big 12 schools and as i hear from my osu friends in particular i just roll my eyes at the situation they're in it's not good it doesn't look good what was that what was that um and again this is just part of the whole thing you sent a tweet. The Jay, largest, I think. Uh, largest stadium is B- like BYU. 64, BYU 63,000. Yeah. Since there was not a, a conference champion in 2005, which would have been the Baylor TCU tie, Colorado enters as the team with the second most Big 12 titles among active members in football. With one. Um, with one. <laughs> tied, tied with Baylor, and K State has two, yep. and, and many others at zero. That's a joke. To have yeah. it. that that illustrates those two points right there just illustrate the the situation that they're in. Yeah, Colorado left the league for according 10 According to years. the commissioner, though, you know, OU and Texas haven't been carrying the league. Right? Yeah. No, not at all. They're not. They don't account for what is it? Half of all 
conference titles in all sports. Wasn't that the stat? Basically half of all conference titles. And OU, OU has 14 of 28, or no, 27. Yeah, yeah. Um, Four, 14, 14 of 27, 27 big football titles. titles football yes. titles. Yeah. <laughs> and I think Texas only has like three or something three, like that. Three, yeah. Right? I believe it's three. Which right. is just, it's, so it's you're really unbelievable. 17 out of 27 really. are these two schools. Yeah. That's, that's almost one of those stats. Of, there's a stat for in the NHL of most, most points scored by a brother tandem. Uh-huh. And, you know, it's like, um, oh, I can't think of the names off the top of my head, but the Gretzkys are number one. And it's like Wayne Gretzky has 2,400-something points or whatever it is, and his brother has like 30. <laughs> <laughs> so they're the, they're the leading brother duo in the history of the NHL. One of them's pulling a but little one bit of them, more weight. Yeah, one of them's got like 30 points or something. It's That's some funny. kind of crazy number like that. That's and that funny. reminded me of the 14 yeah. conference titles. To well, you can say Texas. that about, you know, how many you know conference titles, conference football titles are owned by an Oklahoma school? You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they could throw themselves into that mix. If you're Tulsa, if you're SMU, there are a lot of other schools that are in a really weird spot. SMU stands out because they're a big market. They are a team that tried to get good at football by buying their way into it um, th- four decades ago. I, I think they bring a lot to the table in terms of potential because of that big market. Do they but not already have the market with TCU, though? If something doesn't happen. I mean, Dallas-Fort Worth is the same market. No, I mean, but SMU is a big market themselves. Mm. So, yeah, maybe. I it's don't know. Market. I don't it's know a how private many, school. I don't know how many. Well, it's Dallas. I'm talking TV market. But it's Dallas. But but TV but, markets aren't. TV mar- There's more OU fans in Dallas than there are TCU and SMU combined. So Probably. that's not what's relevant i think what's relevant is the fact that you've got a lot of donors with a lot of money who would be interested in seeing that school be part of a big 12 or something and right now boy they've got to be worried that they're going to be able to yeah. even make that second and tier. i i think it well it, yeah that, that's i think the, the aac would be one of the second i think would, i think the aac would be that predominant hey we're yeah. we're going to be the except and i think assuming smu sees the the ship sail on these three big conferences S, smu should be one of those teams that leads the charge to say we are going to accept this second tier and, and we're going to be the dominant ones in still got teams like North Carolina State that are, that are pretty good on, on occasion. Oregon State, Oregon, State. Oregon State, Washington State. I mean, Leach was at Washington State winning eight games. And that's what, but that's where I divide I mean, that still second teams. tier into two different ones. Like you have an East Coast and a West Coast with, with people in the middle going one way or the other, right? You have two divisions in that, in that second well, tier. Well, they probably end up – how many – so there's a group of five – conferences now and then yeah, you're gonna you're gonna go from a power five to a power three so that's two conferences that are gone ac or acc and pack Pac 12. 12 and those would join group of fives like mountain west aac sunbelt mac so those those five group of five become a group of six let's say and i then, think they're probably a group of two and then those said. those just play their own national championship right you know I think that was what makes sense. They keep in mind this is a group who can't get their act together to be competitive in football. So they may or may not have the resources or brain power behind figuring out how to make that work. They may just let it die on the vine. Well, or it may just there's been small examples. Cincinnati, be, Louisville had a pretty good but run. You've got to get this well, done at a, at an organizational level that's yeah. so much above it. Look at how well, the NCAA have plenty of time to focus on those schools <laughs> because so. the big three 
But the, it's but the big it's not three a, power conferences. But it's left not an NCAA, NCAA thing. It's a conference thing. And just like the Big Twelve, a so-called power conference, completely screwed up, wet the bed, and let Texas and OU out the door after they let everything else break up. I would say the Big Twelve is a pretty sophisticated conference as compared to some of these others. But, but they're going to be in the Power Three. What then you? But but but, yeah. but they're going to be in the Power Three after they screwed everything up. Yeah. And and they're they're the bottom of the Power Three. What I'm saying is. Well, their failures, I'm saying the Big 12 failed tremendously. And we're expecting these other conferences to do better than the Big 12 did. I have my doubts. I mean, Bowlesby destroyed the Big 12. Yeah. But your mark has actually been proactive, signing that TV contract before it would come up to jump in front of the Pac-12. And literally, yeah. that's, that's the only reason the yeah. Big 12 is surviving and not the Pac-12. Yep. But I'm wondering, though, how much like the Big 12 in hindsight is looking at teams like NC State and those other ones who may be left on the curb when this realignment occurs and saying, man, we missed out on – we got South Florida, but we didn't get NC State. Or we got we got Houston, Houston but we didn't get Oregon State. Central, or Florida. Conversation. Central Florida. Or, yeah, Central Florida, <laughs> sorry. Or if they've got um, – or, or if they go after Arizona and Arizona State, which seems to be a weird – level of appeal from my friends in Stillwater, which I don't know if they've gotten the news, but those schools are not serious about football. They're not good markets. They're not good at football. I think they just like the idea of going to Arizona. Like You can go to Arizona anytime yeah. you want. If you just have an airline ticket, Scott they'll Stale's let you a land. Hub. Yeah. You don't well, they have to. They played Arizona State last year, I think. Uh, they, they play them this year. They play them again this year. They play them again this year. They play them again this year. So what is, what is the deal with the Arizona Board of Regents? Have you seen what that is? Mm-mm. They have a board of regents for both schools. Yeah, it's it one sounds like entity. it's a package deal. Yeah, they don't have a separate huh. Arizona board of regents and an That's Arizona state. Your it's, first mistake. It's huh. one one board of regents for both schools. I have no idea how that works. Can you imagine being tied to Oak State like that? Last they th- imagine that we were. They want to. <laughs> yeah. So last thing, maybe on on from my from my side, does this open the door for any of those top tier Division two schools to come into that? Lower tier, like the North Dakota question. states North Dakota of the state. world. Good question. Do you want to move into Mount that? Union. Do you want? Yeah. Do you well, want to now or never? Maybe. Or Sam Houston State. Do you want to move into that? You're never going to get into it if it really evolves to a an elite sixty schools. We're never going to find a way to get two or three or more into it. I don't think. I would watch North Dakota State versus, you know. In, I keep bringing up NC State, Boston College, or something like that. I wouldn't watch Oklahoma State. It's more watchable than Louisville. North Dakota State, a North Dakota State Division II playoff game against Holy Cross, which you probably I mean, never Boise's watched. Boise's got to go somewhere. Exactly. We always thought this would turn out to be four 16-team conferences, mm-hmm. but this is unless the ACC really pulls off yeah. something wild and wants to get serious, and yeah. maybe I don't know, they can pull West Virginia. Yeah, they're um, going to have to do something with the Big 12 that basically says, here is the north-south equivalent of the Mason-Dixon line. I don't know if it's the Mississippi River or something, but you guys get to the west and we get to the east. Yeah, we're taking otherwise, Central Florida from y'all. We're taking West Virginia. Otherwise, I they're going to span the teams. entire nation the way the Big 12 does. And so some of them are getting the, the some of the Pac-12 schools and some of them are getting the others. And that that's a lot of travel. The problem with four 16 teams is... The level that the Big Ten and the SEC is going to have to play versus the ACC and the Big Twelve, let's call it. They would argue that now, though. I know. I but, mean, the SEC, but then it gets really argues true. it now. Yeah, but it would really be the Big Ten still well, has. I don't know. I Rutgers mean, and let's Nebraska. think about who you'd have in terms of a, a upper echelon, top 
above average, they're not necessarily elite, but occasionally elite, you would be talking about Oregon. Well, I guess it was easier back when it was USC and in, in, in that conference. They're not there. But you'd be talking about Oregon, Clemson, Florida State, Miami. Maybe if you Washington. Will. May, yeah, occasionally a Washington. Uh, Only thinking that because they made today, a playoff. Utah today, but not Utah historically. Um, what would it take for the ACC you'd have to stay, some of that. stay together, though? You'd have a clear how many division. How many teams are in the ACC right now? Are they at 12? 12. I think it's 12. Yeah. So, no, uh, there was 12 a or 14. No, it's it's big. It, we should know this. It's, it's at least 12. Well, they added Louisville and yeah. somebody else a couple years ago. Um, but say, say Florida State and Miami decide they want to try to make it work, then you could end up with the four sixteen teams because yes. the SEC's already yes. going to have their sixteen. They're right. at fourteen. The Big Twelve's yeah, going to have so. the Big yeah. Ten's going to have their sixteen. Yeah. They're so at literally, if, if they just power played and took West Virginia and Central Florida away from the Big Twelve, that gets ACC at sixteen. Yeah. Well, even start and then talking the Big about Twelve takes takes the rest Oregon, Oregon, Oregon start, Washington. Arizona. They start Arizona. talking about the Notre, the Notre Dame play again. I mean, ACC and Notre Dame. Like, start talking through that again. Which, yeah, which is again, where they've they, been. They're basketball conference. So, but I mean, again with the. I really respect what Florida State's doing, and they're forcing the ACC's hand, saying, I don't like the deal that you guys are giving us compared to what these other teams are getting, and I'm going to start looking elsewhere until you come back to the table with something that I want to look at. The ACC swears they've got an ironclad agreement on their grant of rights. Because they just signed it. It's called a contract. Everybody has it, and it can be renegotiated. And all they have to do there is either get enough money for going somewhere else that they buy themselves out, or they get the others to find a new home, and they bust it up by agreement. Um, so I'd be talking to the Big 12 to say, how about you peel some of these schools away? and so that Which we is can what was originally going. happening, right? The, the Big 12 and ACC said, we're going to create right. this thing where we have an alliance. That's right. Yeah. And we're going to play each other, and we're going to refuse to play these SEC and Big Ten schools because of this realignment type of thing. Because it made us mad. So, I yeah. mean, I could see this being a 416 team then. If, it still could if happen. If the ACC could grab two more. If, if they got Notre Dame, then they could stay together. Oh, yeah. If, if they, they get got Notre, Notre Dame, Dame they're in good And then good either shape. West Virginia or Central Florida away from Big 12. And the Big 12 wouldn't hate it because they've still got to scavenge the Pac-12. Yeah, yeah. Oh, if, 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 you're gonna trade, if you're going to trade UCF and West Virginia for, for Oregon, Oregon Washington, Washington, sure. I would Big 12 make that deal all day yeah. long. And they'd probably like it geographically. It works out. Yeah. It, it probably is a win-win. So it definitely can be done. I would expect something like that is the future. It's got to happen People quick, who though. think the past is the future are just deluding themselves. It's going to continue to change. And this isn't sustainable right now. We're not going to be in a situation where we've got these really disparate completely unequal leagues with one of them looking like they they look as defunct as they did when they followed the big 10 down that road of we're not going to play during covid i'm talking about the pac-12 they have no leadership no vision for the future it's why they've lost two of their best schools and the writing's on the wall i think yeah pac-12 is collapsing for sure that's a good topic that was that was a that was thorough we'll come back to that i'm sure Let's go. Let's refocus and talk a little bit about OU. Who? Um, it's a, it, the Sooners, the Oklahoma okay. Sooners. Um, let's talk about some players and, and what we've been hearing. Let's talk about position groups. All of this is initial. All of this is subject to change as developments arise here in 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 summer camp, um, fall camp, however you want to determine it. Um, what do you guys think? Tell us, Jay. What are you well, excited about? Well, I'm a little about? upset with Venables stealing my thunder. On some of this, but uh, <laughs> you told him I was ready not to mention that. Yes, and he, he went and did it. Yeah, well, he's a busy guy. But uh, 
I was ready to proclaim uh, Gavin as a a breakout star anyways. Sawchuck or Freeman? That's good. Both. <laughs> Freeman. Hot take. Both good. Both fast. Yeah. Um, he just looked like the few times he got the ball or times he should have gotten the ball, he's just... I mean, he really only got it on some end arounds. He's just a he's just a better, faster Drake Stoops, and I think Stoops will get the start most game, maybe every game. But I wouldn't be surprised if if Gavin Freeman didn't have more yards, more touches, more touchdowns than Stoops. Well, he's got raw talent. Now we don't what we don't know, or I don't know, is can he block as well as Stoops? Yes, that's can a big he? Question. Can he? Does he have the headsy plays? And that sort of what whatever you want to call it knows for the football the that fifth year grind he's like find God the, find the sticks and find space exactly and and if he can do that but maybe can overcome it just with raw talent for a while I think you're right Gavin Freeman looks really so, promising. So Venable said something funny in that same interaction that you're referring to Jay is a lot of people are taking Gavin Freeman being the best wide receiver out of the out of the spring game as perhaps a a knock on that group right are you of that opinion saying are you are you worried about Gavin Freeman being the best potentially best breakout or maybe even I mean arguably one of the better receivers that we have as a knock on the group are you taking it as a confidence more towards what you're saying as Gavin's just a dude and we're going to have other guys surrounding him where we're going to be able to make plays in that because we talked about it a few weeks ago right is that's one of our biggest question marks going into the season, kind of like running back was yeah. at last year. Wide receiver's a, an unknown for us. So is he the cleanest dirty shirt, or is he an actual I star? take it as you need as many dudes as you can. And if, if he's a dude and he becomes our Marvin Mims, our, our go-to guy, that's fine with it. So be it. Because I think Farouk is a solid player. Um, we know Stoops is a solid player. But if you can have a breakout person – or like a freshman petaway. He's got Hollywood or, Brown speed. Yep. Or if you have Angel Anthony from the Michigan so. transfer, or if you have, um, we just I, I, the thing I, I, I if you have Anderson, most. stay healthy. Anyone that breaks out, I'm just all for having. I think it's crucial to a degree to have a standout player at wide receiver that teams have to watch out for. Well, I think that's I think that's desirable. The question is, can Gavin be that guy? I mean, you know, we who's going to be the that. guy for us that goes and catches the ball downfield? Who is going to be Marvin Mims? You know, I mean, that that was it last year, right? I mean, for the most part, Farouk yeah, had a if couple. If Gabriel could have got the ball, fair. It, it, or if Mims didn't drop the ball when he needed to catch it, is it, who's going to stretch the defense vertically? Yeah. Who's going to be that guy they that the free safety has to worry about? Yeah, so, that sounds like Petaway to me. I think we have multiple <laughs> players that fit that role we just haven't seen it and maybe maybe that's my own adjustment that I have to make I don't know if we in Lebby's offense I don't know if we see a lot of plays that go receivers streaking down the sideline and finding them you know 40 yards downfield right as much as what we're used to I mean I don't we had a few opportunities last year and, and again Gabriel was not good in that part of the game um, how much does Lebby want to use that I watched the 2011 OU Florida State game the other day, and one of the only big plays down the sideline was the Kenny Stills for a touchdown to really kind of seal the deal. That Even that Josh Heupel offense, 
that was based on short routes and over the middle routes to, to get yards more so than it was to stretch the field down the sideline, even back then. Well, I'm not saying Landry that, can sling if the he's ball. Really, Mike Leach offense. If he's I really know. running a Bryles system, I mean, they want yeah. They want those Think guys. Think of all those Baylor guys going, going up. You have to have that guy down the field. You want those KD cannons yeah. and Ugh. I just don't and know. And you really do Baylor want, killed us with that. You yeah. want a whole platoon that you run in there fresh legs and exhaust and the DBs, exhaust the DBs yeah. by doing it over Baylor and over and over again. That was insanely fast. I think it was KD Cannon. No, he was tall. he was like 6-1 or something. Was he? Corey Coleman was kind of tall. Corey Coleman, and that's who it was. Was he? Wasn't it? Was it? I mean, Corey Coleman stretched us out multiple times. Yeah, I think he was a short it was kind of like a Tavon Austin looking dude that played for Baylor. And I yeah. think it was Coleman. He was they had so just many the of those short guys burner then, guy, though. the Hollywood Brown. When I think I about know, those guys the, now, I think it's that whole TCU. deal. It's the whole deal where when you have that kind of elite speed on the outside, and the DBs have to respect it. All of a sudden, you just start killing them on little five yard hook routes and right? running games, just killing them, and killing them, and they get tired of it. And then they think you're doing a hook, and it's a stop and go. And next thing you know, they're just. You're, they're over the top. The burnt, yeah. It's also powerful when you have a tight end, which it doesn't sound like we have. No, it doesn't sound like we have all but no. one. Sogner's it. No, I, don't, according to, I, don't, I don't have that much confidence. The other, the other two tight ends that we have are also hurt, are also hurt yeah. right now. So, um, And BV stressed pretty significantly that we need to have tight ends on the field who can do a job. More than just more than the two that we had last year. And God, Braden Willis... He was the whole team. He was. It was Braden Wilson and Eric Gray. And, <laughs> but if th- that's your tight end, like I mean, we need, we need guys out there. I don't. I think mean, we I think have you. Scr- I think you. I, you almost game plan not having a tight end this year. Like that's if he scary. stays healthy and he does okay, you're just four, sure we roll with wide it. All the but time. if not, we're just we're just scrapping that whole game. We've plan. got the depth at wide receiver where you could execute that. It wouldn't be ideal, but you could execute that. That doesn't help your run game not being able. to put a tight end yeah, it depends on how good your your threat is at wide receiver yeah if you're spread so wide and they're spread so wide then yeah then, then numbers but yeah so let's think about that position wise so would that be a consensus in the group that tight end is the biggest worry on offense um among position groups i've got tight end wide receiver quarterback running back o-line um, worrisome yes i think and i think we talked about that a few weeks i ago think as well. that would I be think, i don't think it's number. the biggest though because it all depends on what levy can game plan around if we don't have a, a good Yeah, I don't think you end. have to have a tight end. Well, what 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 area? In the offense that we all want to see, you have a standout tight end sure. that can block. But and, I'm saying with the players that are the out there, passes. what group do you worry the most about? To me, it's not wide receiver. I'm actually getting pretty positive on wide receivers, and, and that includes with the coach. If the coach can 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 coach as good as he recruits, we're going to be dynamite at wide receiver. The Emmett, most I worry Emmett about Smith sounds pretty legit. I'm not. I'm Emmett not Smith, worried. Emmett, Emmett also the <laughs> Emmett. Uh, Emmett Smith was our coach. pretty good. Yes. Emmett Smith was great. The, right. uh What is Emmett what is Brown's Jones. name? Jones. Emmett Jones. Emmett Jones. Man, only the two most uh, recognizable American last names in the world. I'm not <laughs> worried about this position group, but I think it's the most important, regardless, and it's the offensive line. Mm-hmm. Outside of quarterback, I'm getting more and more confident there, though. But I no, I feel confident in the offensive yeah. line. But I think it's the it's the most important position group to worry about. Yep. If the line doesn't come together, I don't care who you have anywhere else. Well, especially what what it's taken for us in the past. Very true. You know, five to ten years to get our offensive line going. Even with those, we've talked about it countless times on this podcast. How it takes four to five games for Bedenboe to get his guys where he wants them to be 
and us not understanding why this isn't something we've been able to do in the off season yeah. or in fall pra- fall camp leading up to our first game, why this isn't something we can get correct. Um, it sounds like the starting five is set, and I hope that they don't tinker too much with it. I know you have to because – Players that come back and look different after summer and improve and whatnot. So sure. somebody can always beat somebody out at some point. But it sure would be nice to just spend August with those five. Well, we and put that's out, what we're rolling. We with. put out a great we put out a great poll. I was going to ask that about that. And, is, and so you've got who's got the most pressure? Who, yeah, which, which assistant coach has the most pressure? And all the votes went for either uh, Jeff Lebby or Ted Roof. And it was 67 to 33, um, Jeff Levy. So uh, that was that was kind of interesting to me. My my vote went for for Levy. Um, I think he's got the most approved. Beedenbo was on that list. Um, I just looked at it, but who was the fourth one? I'm sorry. Um, uh, it was uh, Jones. Probably Jones. Yeah, 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 Jones. I'm very confident in Jones. I'm pretty confident in Beedenbo. I'm actually very confident in him. Um, I think Jeff Levy has the most to prove, and maybe that was sort of a trick question by having two coordinators on there, and kind of a trick question by having Ted Roof, because is he really the one with the most to prove, or is it Brent Venables, who I very originally had when I started the poll, but then I said, let's change it just to be assistant coaches. Um, I, I think arguably Venables has the most to prove, but Levy is right up there, and, and Levy's offense has the most to prove across the board, and all of these elements have to come together. I'm really confident at running back. I'm really confident at quarterback. I'm really confident at wide receiver and O-line. T- tight end is the only weakness that I see. I mean, numbers-wise and the, and the players you're looking at. Not all those are as good at, as we want, I know. On the depth chart and whatnot, tight end is by far the weakest. I'll say that's a good way. It's the weakest position yeah. we have. What but about but you can scheme around that. I if, think so, too. Yeah, yeah. It, I it's mean, there's the, plenty of offenses in the this country that don't one. have a tight end. Absolutely. I mean, it's we're not the Iowa. best one to have a weakness at. Which right. maybe reinforces the Jeff Levy take on that poll, right? Right. I mean, did Ole Miss have a major league tight end? Yeah, when, yeah, I don't remember that person if they did. I think a tight end is something that somebody utilizes when you have when a When you have a great one. one. I agree. Like, yeah. you have to use them if you've got one. I actually one. think it's also an overrated position where I think it's kind of an old man in the stands yelling down, throw it to the tight end, where they're remembering Keith Jackson or Mark Andrews and they're, or, or Jermaine Gresham, and they're saying, like, why aren't we throwing it to that guy? It's like, because that guy's not on the field, and right. we have other options, and that's not the entirety of the offense. So yeah, I do think if it's If you look at the most successful around. offenses, even the NFL now, I mean, Travis Kelsey is probably the best option in NFL as far as receiving threats. Receiving threats. Uh, you've got He's Kittle. An aberration. Kittle. You've got Mark Andrews. Andrews. You've got um, uh, as well Zach Ertz when he was at Philly. And maybe that um, just speaks to who, who the type of guys that are going to the league. But at that that's position, what I'm saying. That when you have right? that kind of guy, you you use yes, but it opens up your enti- the entire field. Right. When you've got that guy that's a huge threat. Right. And we use we used Mark Andrews as a big freaking receiver yeah, when he was right. here. That's true. He was a, he was a deep threat. He receiver. did get better blocking by his senior year, or did sure. he leave after his junior? A junior, junior thank you. Yeah. So by the end of his junior year, he had gotten much better at blocking. Um, Gresham, I yeah. feel like, was always pretty good But they also know that I'm probably going to the league. I've got to start working on my block. And, and look at the other fact that, for what it's worth, when you're in a fantasy league, you never pick a tight end before you pick a receiver. 
Unless it's Travis Kelsey. In, even if I don't, and I don't think so. I mean, even if you're the tenth pick in your league, your your tenth receiver taken is probably going to be ahead of that tight end. Not in the leagues I'm in. I don't. Because Kel- so, Kelsey score outside of maybe Justin Jefferson and okay. uh, Jamar Chase. I mean, for that one Kelsey's guy, probably like and that's top it. Okay. five receivers. Right. Kelsey a- is a probably after uh, Kelsey. He's an exception. He's an exception. Yeah. Like after that, it falls off, and it's just not that important of a position. So it's a luxury where we're in a position. But the fact true. we can name the five top wide receivers right. in the NFL just off the top of our head. I'm not a guy who follows NFL. I know all the guys we just mentioned. There's not a lot outside of that, right? So, I mean – Tight ends, you mean? Tight ends, yeah. yes. At that at that position, there's not a lot. But of, we can we can roll off wide receivers all day. Yeah. But the best offenses we've seen, we have had that guy. Well, sure, but but when, and that's true. We we don't mean, expect Trent this Smith, to be one of the best. When offenses. you go Trent Smith, yeah. Jermaine Gresham, Andrews. Well, yeah, and we Kakatera also had, had a great. But one we also season. had a running back that was better than any running back that we expect to see on the field this year. But we still have a lot of stock in the running back, and we feel like the running backs are really key position. We can do running back by committee this year and be great. I would love to have a Joe Mixon in the lineup. Do we, obviously. Think, do we think we're going to do running back by committee this year? I don't know if it'll be by committee, but I think it'll be a – It'll be two. It'll be two guys. Think predominantly run, run two. Run well, we have a running back that eclipses 15 carries in a game? Yes. Yeah. 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 Will, will, so. will he be a guy that – not counting a blowout, we're trying to run right. the clock out. We're not going to have a guy who's in any kind of a Heisman conversation. So that's the difference. We're going to have guys that are nice, solid. But, so, big but you still think we will have a running back with more than fifty yeah. carries oh, yeah, in the yeah. game? No, I, think I think we'll think have. So, yeah. I think we'll have a guy. I think you yeah. shoot for two thousand yard rushers. I agree. I think that's <laughs> ideal. Oh yeah, that's, yeah, just two thousand yard rushers. That's nothing. I, well, I don't think that's. I don't think that's, that's unreasonable that at all. Yeah, I think that's probably. That seems pretty doable. Have you seen Jeff Levy's offense? <laughs> and he I likes think it's, to. And it's, we ran more last year than we passed. I think it's going to be. And it'll be the forty-five more. or sixty. Jay, Jay has watched pass. the uh, the Florida State bowl game more than anyone else hey, in the world. They were the top <laughs> five run defense in the country, and we ran for more yards than they allowed the entire season. And we had so. three starting O linemen out that skipped. Yeah, yeah. So Mike, let's. I got another question. I got another okay, one. Okay, go go. Will Jeff Levy run Dylan Gabriel more? With Jackson Arnold as the backup than he did last year. 100%. I sure hope so. I hope so too. And I sure think he will. Because he ran sure the hell out of so. Matt Corral yep. at Ole Miss. Yep. Although I think Lane Kiffin was probably the offensive coordinator. But they ran the quarterback a lot in yep. that offense. Oh, yeah. And will defenses take less cheap shots at Gabriel knowing that they've oh, got I think a so. five star uh, backup? Uh, I don't know about less cheap shots. I think, I don't. I don't think a defensive coordinator. I don't. I don't think they plan for an injury. I don't know. TCU has had a history. <laughs> that might be an exception. Of cheap shots. That might be. We don't play them. I think we that, do play them on Black Friday. Oh, that's no, but right. We, we do. But at it's also not his team anymore. Right. It's not. That's right. Team. That's right. Yeah. So. Yeah, but last year wasn't either. I could And they see, still cheap shotted Gabriel and knocked him out of the game. To the degree that a defensive coordinator says, "Let's punish a quarterback," I could see them saying, "That's not as." A desirable of a strategy because even if we get that guy completely out of the game, that might not look real good for us. TCU did knock out three starting quarterbacks back to back to back last season. Yeah, they did. And two of them were the same dude. Same dude knocking them out. Yeah. Yeah. So let's transition to defense. How do we feel about D line, linebacker, and defensive back as as position groups? I feel improvement in every case. 
And I think of those, DB is the strongest group, the strongest uh, position group. I think D-line is the deepest we've had in a decade, probably. Yeah. You think it's stronger? Do you think, you think it's the strongest group? Yes. I'd be willing to. On, I don't know if based it's... Based on yeah. paper. On paper, all the transfers... I think our DBs are going to be really strong. All the transfers we brought in on the D-line. That's true. You've got a couple returning starters with downs and... That I don't, aren't, that I don't think are going to be starters. I don't know if Grimes gets to play. I think we have returning starters that are going to be backups. But when you add Bothroyd, I think is going to be Trace Ford. awesome. Trace Ford is just a supplement. He's just an okay guy. I don't think he's a superstar. No, I don't think he's a Jacob Lacey's either. hurt. Um, Blood clots, yeah. So, Terry, Terry from Tennessee. Yeah, I, th- I think loves the defensive Terry. line is going to be way better than we've had. Yeah, I mean night and uh, day. In a totally while. agree. Totally agree. DB-wise, Woody Washington's got his spot locked down. Sounds uh, like Gentry Williams. Gentry Williams, which you don't know what you're getting on that because he hasn't played. True. Um, safety-wise, Billy Bowman, awesome. And then awesome. Are, you, are you playing the kid from Tech? Pearson. Pearson. It's either Pearson or Key or – I guarantee you I, I, I would take a – You've got some depth. I would take a pretty strong safety. bet that Key starts that position. Well, plus you have a, you have a Robert Spears But James. I think there's – you have guy breathing down his Peyton Bowen. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Peyton, Bowen. Be, right? Peyton Bowen, by the end of the season, could be the starter. Could be the starter. I, I'd love I to mean, see a I, Bowman Bowen backfield. I think like there's a chance he's deep. He, I, I mean, I think come Texas game, you could you you're going to have a Bowen Bowman safety game. I would love mm-hmm. to see that. Linebacker, I think my confidence there is back to Brent's comments a few weeks ago. It sounds like we're going to have at least depth of depth. guys who we can play. We finally have depth. We're we probably not anywhere close to where he wants that to be. And we may be where he wants it to be with existing players in, in a year or two. But it will be so far ahead of where we were last year. It's going to be a big improvement. Agreed. Yeah, and I, I, he, Ted Roof mentioned it yesterday. I mean, again, some coach speak, you may, see, you may end up seeing a brand new front seven outside of uh outside of Danny Stutzman. So Stutzman has that defensive captain role locked down. A lot of a lot of praise for Canick, um, which I think we saw flashes of it last year of potential and learning that position. There's some guys up in the air that I'm curious about. I'm curious about uh Kobe McKenzie, see how much he sees the field. If he doesn't see the field, if he's gonna be one of those guys that you may see on the fence about about leaving, especially with the turmoil that went into him getting to OU in the first place. Um, the transfer, the D2 transfer. If you get a Connor Near, if Connor, Connor Near, Near, which, yeah. I, you know, however much stock you put into knowing where to go and being in the right spot, even though you're less athletic. Two-time All-American. I've put he, a lot into right, that. Right, and I'm sure BV does too. Someone like Kobe is what you're getting at or alluding to. If he's third or fourth still in the depth chart because you got a D2 guy coming in, he's not as athletic, but he's where he's supposed to be. He's definitely somebody you got to watch to hit the. Hit How many the years does Near have on him? Three, I think. Oh, so he only he's played. A two, he's a two-time All-American in D2. Well, then he'd use two years for sure. Then. Well, I don't know if redshirt or you know. Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure, but I'm not sure if he came in as a. But he can only play. Did he come in as? Well, a, he said he came uh, in as a, as a will linebacker, moved to Mike linebacker, I think, at whatever school he was playing at before. Um, Which I have no idea. So what if he it was. was a two-time All-American, he's only got two years of eligibility at, the, right. at most left. At right? most, right? Yeah. So does that if he's only got one, then does Cody McKenzie stay around because then he knows that's his spot next year? Well, also if Stutz leaves, right, that that could leave a spot. Yeah, like to move into, right? 
Yeah, because you can move Canik into Stutz spot probably. Yeah. It'd be interesting to know. It'd be nice you, if we played three linebackers. Well, I think that'd nice. be a novel yeah. idea. Well, I think they're. I think they want to. I they just didn't have three people to play. I don't think, I think the cheetah. I think the cheetah is. I'm so sick of that itch. word. <laughs> I, I think. I think. Yeah, I want to call it Roy back. For um, how, for how disappointing it was last year. Yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sick of it as well. So it was Deshaun White's best position, though. I, I, he did look really good in the Florida State game. <laughs> yeah, so I heard no. from a guy who watched it a lot. So it'd be interesting to know to look back on the Clemson record. Um, or even back to when he was at OU, but especially at Clemson, how many of these marginal guys did, did – and I know the transfer portal was a different world back then, but how many people did Brent lose? I don't think it was a lot. Or did he retain a lot of people because they I think you can look at the seniors. The I think you can look at the older he, he guys that he kept. brought a lot of guys kept, back. kept the guys that kept coming back. And kind of back to that same point, I mean, I, from what we saw in the spring game and from what we heard initially, I don't know how you, how you keep McCullough off the field either yeah i mean I, apparently yeah, I mean, what if what if harrington really is just an incredible well and that's cheater, the thing is, right? is harrington is you the heir apparent and McCullough also the, the guy field. but man from what we saw last year i don't he looked i mean he looked slow and he looked lost he played dn at indiana and was freshman and all-american or whatever he was i think we're going to see so many like different outside rotations. linebacker rush guy there are yeah. yes. so many different personnel and i think you also uh, see some creativity like mm-hmm. back to the dan cody days of this is an athlete i can put him on the field and do some stuff that the offense is going to go, what in the hell am I looking at? And you, you may see cheetah, some situational stuff too, you know what right? what the cheetah like, is? The cheetah is the defensive version of what we just talked about with the tight end. If you have a cheetah you use that it. is a legitimate just game changer, your whole defense is just Around morphed into, it's just morphed into it, something. It's Roy. If, if he can pass uh, you get Roy on, You get Roy yeah. on the field and everybody else just but, figure but out but a that's a generational be. player. Absolutely. <laughs> but that's what we're talking about. You're saying that if you've got that guy that's an amazing player – you do it. If you don't, you you rescheme around something different. So it, that's a legitimate point. A name to know that I'm intrigued to see this year. He's put on a bunch of weight. He's always been extremely You're talking athletic. About me? Yeah, come on, man. Um, Rude. R. Mason Thomas. Yeah. At defensive end. Yeah. He's up to about 240, which is still too light for a hand in the dirt top defensive end. But we saw flashes early last year. He's made a year. bunch of plays underweight. He had a really like good really first underweight. four games. Yep. And if Most you, of the defense did. <laughs> so that'll, that'll be can, can they stand him up on the edge? I don't see why not. I mean, I o- think Obo, Obo, Obo 2.0. Style. I think yeah. P, PJ can be that guy, too, even as a oh, freshman. Yeah. Yeah. That guy's got so much length and speed at his position. Yeah, But, I mean, and we're throwing up. Even like, if you don't throw a ton of weight on him, I still think – on third and elevens, you just rush the, the crap difference maker. I mean, and, but I mean, listen to us talking right now. Like with the fact, this is the depth relative to what we used to have. Right. Oh, a third. I mean, we're a just third running down, like names a third long there. like pass. Um, yeah. Put, yeah. Put McCullough, Bothroyd, and PJ in, and just see what happens. An Armason, an Armason, yeah. yeah every, it's just you've Ruin got someone's a life. NASCAR yeah. package well, of, and that's what screwed us last year. Think of the West Virginia game where we just let them. March down the field on third and tens. No, yeah. pre- no presence. Yeah, we didn't. We didn't blitz or any. We just sat back and let them pick us apart. So that's a good instead question. of when you're in a tight game, we just let them march down the field and kick a field goal to beat us. We haven't even mentioned. We just go all out, starting at the forty yeah. yard line. You know, the opposite forty yard line, or even the fifty at worst. And if you get beat on a big play, at least you tried to go stop them. So do you think that 
I want to see more aggressiveness I do in too. the defensive Well, I do calls. too. You know I love that. We haven't um, even mentioned our representative that went down there from the defensive line for Big 12 Media Days. Ethan Downs? No. Didn't he go down there? Luwalu. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, that's right. So much depth. So when we look at comments like Brent made recently in, in the athletic arg- article where he was saying that we had literally only three guys that could play the linebacker position, that gives me hope that what he was forced to do was to be as conservative as possible just to which may or may not have been a good decision i'm not saying it was a good strategic decision but he's basically playing it as safe as possible whereas when he has depth when he has talent he can then blitz with a lot more aggression be more of a gambler more of a gambler knowing it's probably going to work out and if it doesn't we can come back and regroup and it'll work out that's my hope is that these guys can do that and we should see not just more blitzes but more blitzes with actual results associated with them or at least where you say oh my god they were that close to to shutting that thing down not where we saw blitzes that were like oh my god what are they doing like we went without blitzes for so long in the early part of the season and then when they started blitzing it was like i see why they didn't and it was just kind of sad we need to see opportunity there and I, I would hope that that's what we're going to see with the depth and with the talent and everything coming together. And I, I again, not to, it's just because I recency bias and I've, I've wa- I watched it this last week, that Florida State game back in 11. And it's exactly what you guys just said is not letting people just take advantage of you on these third downs. Right. And man, bring, bring a, a hard cor- hitting team a, corner, a cornerback blitz on third and four yep. to go and just stuff any well, sort of momentum. Well, that's obviously relevant because that is back to some of the, you know, era of where we are in college football yeah. as well as Brent Venables. But if you look back even farther, I want to get back to the days. Again, it's a, it's a generational type player, but where you have people like Roy Williams or Brian Bosworth who would blow up a play just doing whatever the hell he wanted. Yeah. Just blow up a play. I want to see us, and I yeah, think because Brent, he's there. and his yeah. history at Clemson and everywhere, he's not afraid to have a guy blow up a play because he can do it, um, just knowing I'm going to put this guy on the field, and, and even if I tell him don't leave your feet, he knows Roy's going to leave his feet, <laughs> and he's going to make the uh, one of the greatest plays in the history of OU football. So we need, we, need to get, we need to every once in a while get those generational players and give them the freedom of movement to do whatever they want like that but also for that upper, above-average group that aren't necessarily elite, but still give them some freedom of movement to do what they can do and execute and put you in. I, I like the idea of let's, let's gamble and let's be aggressive. And if we have an offense that can come back from a bad situation, worst-case scenario, they score a touchdown. And then we're back on the field and we can score touchdowns. Best-case scenario, we put our offense in a great position to score a touchdown. Whereas last year, we were not in any kind of trade-off like that. Well, the book on us last year, too, is the analytics were like, if it's fourth and three or less, you've we're got going. no reason not to go for it. Exactly. Because you're going to get... three outside of our 30. And, and, and truth we're, be told... We were the worst, I think, the worst in the conference. The, the worst, yeah. At fourth down stopping. I mean, it was we so We were bad. one of the worst in the nation, actually, in that. Yeah, I mean, at fourth and three and in, they're always going to go for it. So if you can start out conference play by stopping a couple of those here and there and not people and, will rethink yes later yes man and, and it's not fourth and three it's yeah. it's it's fourth and eight because you've done your job yeah more more often than than what we did Yeah, again on paper the d line's not it's just it's not even the same ballpark on it's paper not. that's 
Well, I so I could be. You're talking about that that's the, you're talking that's about a starting lineup move. last year of Reggie Grimes, Ethan Downs, um, Jalen Redman, Redman, and like Jordan Kelly, Isaiah Coe or Kelly, right? One, I think, yeah. And three of those players are returning. Yeah. And they might not even. I don't. I really don't think they're even start. Maybe Coe starts. Uh, I, I would actually. I'd probably put Kelly in front of Coe to be honest. I think they all start at the beginning. Grimes may not for Bothroy, but I think down start. I think beginning of the year. I mean, I can see that, but just cause I mean, as when it, when you really giant, when you yeah, really yeah. need it, it's I'm telling you, Ethan Downs, and probably a Co, definitely a Grimes, unless he's made a huge jump. But just the fact that those are our and the Wallow, I mean, just the fact that yeah. those are our replacement players, right? Is Absolutely, just speaks volumes to where we're at. Well, let me give you some red meat for the homers in the audience and the homers on the pod so when you talk about the d line being so fantastic keep in mind that we know that that is the area where it's the first point of emphasis in the sec and why because it has to be but in the big 12 to have that same position where we're positioning ourselves there you don't have to be that great on d line and if you are you can be totally dominant and so our ability to succeed in the Big 12, if, if what we're thinking is true about the D-line being good, that could be a control the line of scrimmage point of view that is lethal for us in many situations, where we're controlling the game plan in a way that we haven't seen in a decade or more because we just haven't had that D-line play. And, and, and frankly, the Big 12 offenses aren't where they were in years past. We find a guy every year or most years that we turn into an elite pass rusher but then you know good teams work around that right and you you have to be a double team you have to be able to yep not depend on where is it coming from this play and Mm -hmm. they have to worry about all of it all of it everything has to work perfectly or you're going to be in trouble fast well here's it how about the weakest question mark of this entire team not counting coaching uh, special teams. Special teams. Special teams. Yep. Do we have a punter? Do we have a kicker? Don't know. We we have no idea. I got to think that we're going to have somebody. But is it somebody? Well, we're going to have somebody. I mean, Everybody has somebody. Their punt and kick. But 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 I mean, it's not. The it's spring not game. Like the punting was horrific. It was bad. But think about football. If that's, we that's think we about teams that are good and bad, we can look at their quarterback and say. There's good to bad, and that's a big range. We're not going to look at their punters and say they're good to bad, and that really makes a big difference necessarily. You only notice elite punters. You only notice elite punters, and you don't even necessarily notice elite kickers. You notice elite offenses where they get to kick a lot or offenses that are bad and have to kick a lot, and the guy happens to be good and puts a lot of points on the board. Now, I'm not saying you don't want a good field goal kicker and a dependable guy. We can remember the Jimmy Stevens of the world. Right. My my whole deal was as good uh, as a punter as we had last year. His name's Michael Turk. Turk. He was not good at pinning the ball deep. No, he had he some had not last way year he too was many not. touchbacks. Yeah, not yeah, last, last year, year. He, was not. he could not place the ball. So where even he if we to. had a, a punter, the season before he did. That's just last year we punted not. a lot more. Last maybe year, he's though. not a great punter, but maybe the fact that he can't get it to the end zone could <laughs> almost be a plus. Could be a plus. And and you just have to know what you're going in with, right? So if you're Jeff Lebby and Brent Venables, you have to know, do I have a field goal kicker who I can trust to kick a, a long distance, what would typically be a low probability field goal, 
Or do I need to just game plan around the fact that I'm not going to kick a field goal unless we get really close? With and that dictates everything you're thinking. I, I feel like we're probably a 40 and under team right? at best. And you just have to know that. You yeah. should, as a coach, you should know that. And that's a question mark. Can they recognize that and game plan around it? And if you're playing safe to think, your third well, we're going to kick third one, down, your third down play as if dictates. it's Terry back there, then you're an idiot because yeah. that's not going to happen. You're not guaranteeing yourself three points. Who are we looking at for punt return and kick return? I don't want to see Billy Bowman on the field for kick returns, uh, I'll tell you that. Uh, no, I don't either. No matter how good he has the potential, Freeman? you don't want to see it. Freeman? Freeman can be a kick returner. Yeah. I don't um, know about punt return. Stoops Stoops did quite Stoops, a few punt returns, but it's almost always much. just called. It's just obsolete, yeah. Fair He's just, and that's sort of, of the name catching. of the game today is they do a lot of – it's not the same where you can have an Antonio Which that's Burke what frustrates me the most is – Teams, that is what the default I think is now is uh-huh. is hey you're Safe, more than likely. We don't go we don't go after punts nearly enough for that default. Right. I mean. Yeah. If you've already told your guy you're fair catching this no matter what, you have no reason not to go after. Yeah. Ninety percent of the punts. Exactly. Yeah. And we unless don't. unless you think that they're going to check off and fake it. Most but of the even, time. Yeah. You should yeah, be yeah, yeah. you should be going after all the punts unless you're worried about the fifteen yard penalties for. Roughing or well, whatever. Just be good about it. Be but if you've already told it. your guy, you're fair yeah. catching this. Send out the yeah, send out send the, the block nine, team. Send the eight guys in. Yeah. I mean, send them in. Let's see what happens. Especially if they're not showing any propensity to fake a punt, and most teams don't. Right. Um, if that happens to you twice, chaos. If that aggressive. happens to you twice a season, yes. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. you've got a sure-handed guy who's going to catch it with the guy in his face, and you're not looking for him to return it. Right. You're like your hand goes up when that ball goes up. You're yeah. going to fair catch this ball. Yeah. Right. Period. Here's, here's one person's um, projected special teams. Um, they put out kind of a preseason one every year. Um, so our kicker Zach Schmidt. Yeah. Our punter Luke Elzinga. And he's got uh, Farouk and Billy Bowman at kick returner. No thanks. And LV Bunkley Shelton and Drake Stoops at punt returner. I don't yeah. think you risk either one of those kick returners. I agree. Farouk or Bowman? Farouk or Bowman. No, I, I think if you're going to risk the two, it's not Bowman. No, yes, definitely not Bowman. No, I agree. Unless, I mean, even if he's like Alex he Ross and he's elite, taking stuff back. But he but is an elite returner. He's not. Yeah. He, I mean, in high school, he right. was an elite returner. In so, high school, well, I bet Peyton Bowen is too. Yeah, I bet there's a and lot of guys your, that if he's are. your second or third safety, he's I don't know. less valuable than yeah. Peyton, uh, than, uh, yeah. Billy Peyton, Bowman. Peyton is. Bowen was an elite returner, yeah. Well, yeah. let's go back to what we know was at least with hindsight, and I think it should have been realized at the time mm-hmm. ex-ante, is you don't put DeMarco, DeMarco. Murray back, yeah. and we know how that costly that was. So I would hope that they make a strategic decision there that's, that's better thinking about the risk of injury and, and what that can do. And if the offense is good enough, you don't need it. You can fair catch it on fair the 10, and you it. get it on the 25. Fair catch it almost every time. Yeah. You you really only, if you have something set up, if you've seen something, if you don't have a game plan of doing it, you tell that guy, hey, you're you're awesome. We how, know, but you're not trying to run How many back. post games the last Riley year oh, were we on here complaining? Ranting. Why are we taking the ball at the 18? Well, you we know, could have a, a hit he, he three, caught it, He caught it on the 25. three, and he got tackled on the 18. He caught it He caught it on the goal line. A risk and he's, three. And he's on the 21. 25-yard yeah. line. How many times are we coming back saying risk return? You can fair catch the ball anywhere now. All it doesn't season. have to be in the end zone. All season, hidden yeah. yardage, right? Yeah, hidden yardage. So if this offense is as good as we hope it would be, absolutely. Starting on twenty-five isn't. It's a bonus. Yeah. that's actually great. Yeah, 
if, if the offense is where you think it's going to be, yeah, you only take that risk. It's not a detriment. If you're a bad offense and you're going to need every chance you got. Yeah. That's when you say, wait, we're, we're going to get it set up and we're going to figure out what we want to do. Or if the other team field position is just it. particularly Weak. not good at coverages, right. you know. And, like, and that's all scouting. I mean, and that's scouting. But that's few and far between. Like, you're likely only to face one, maybe two teams all year where you say, yeah, clearly this is a team we can exploit with this. But you don't take those chances in most games. Here's something that, that changing gears just slightly, thinking about um, – Kind of a, a, a SWOT analysis of uh, um, threats versus opportunity. We face four really weak teams right off the bat. We should go into Texas undefeated. We should have um, no trouble with those first games. We should see, hopefully, Jackson Arnold in a lot of, of series. I would like to see the coaches know that going in, experiment with a lot of guys, and explore different lineups and explore different experiences. But at the same time, this is on them. they got to figure out how much of that do you want versus how much of let's get salty with the guys that we really do think are the starting lineup in each position. And I don't know what the answer is to that. That's where they get paid the big bucks, where they need to make a good decision because they kind of don't – they look good either way. If we keep the guys in, they'll look great, and we don't get experience or we don't experiment. If they experiment too much – Everybody looks good, and they don't know anything going into tough competition. I think on offense, the only person you bring in is Jackson Arnold. Well, you play, with the ones. play a lot of running backs. But, I mean, I think, yes, but I guess what I'm saying is I don't think, I don't want to see Jackson Arnold with the, the two. second string no, offensive line. Absolutely. In the fourth yes, quarter absolutely. only. Right? He needs yeah, to be in with nothing. the ones and to see what he can do. Well, it might even actually be a detriment to him psychologically. We should know pretty quickly, I think, though, what, if, what, which one of those two things should happen, right? I mean, and I, I mean think, defensive line, linebacker, yeah. DB, everybody. I think defense will have a huge rotation. It should. It, it, I think it should. Um, I think we will have a legitimate two deep. For on sure. defense. For on yeah. defense. Yeah. And at wide receiver, you have to play everybody and see yeah. who your four are. And yeah. who, who's right? going to be who a guy. Can, who can actually play yeah. game play, who can catch the ball. Yeah, can Jaden Gibson catch the ball this year? Gosh, he couldn't know. in the I, spring game. He's already off my radar. <laughs> so he is the the surprise player for Jay to watch. Yeah, he would be the big surprise. Hey, I'd be more than happy to bench. have him just explode. Absolutely, and just be incredible. Absolutely, That's fine. we all would, and we all have our doubts. We all have our worries for sure. Well, let's round it out real quickly with a um, early OU record prediction, and we'll we'll. We'll subject this to either revision or how more solid we are in this as we go. But I'm going to have us at 11 and one. I'm not telling you the one. I'm just saying there's a chance we lose one, a good chance we lose one game. I'm going to stick with what I went with uh, in the in the off season. I'm going to go nine and three. Lucas, what do you got? <laughs> Eight and a half. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll go nine and three. Preliminarily. Jay, what do you got? I'll buy a little more. I'll go 10. 10 and 2. None of those would surprise me. 9 and 3 would be, depending on circumstances, maybe borderline disappointing. 
11 it's, and the 1 would so be, bad. It's schedule yeah. so bad. I look it's at the so schedule Sundays so and I'm like, oh man, it is an, it's an 11 1. It's it may be a 12 That's and 9. I, I mean, we don't at. play Kansas State. Other days we don't I, play Tech. Other we days don't play I look Baylor. at it and I'm like, oh man, I I don't know. You if caught me on had, a bad day. If we had Kansas State, Baylor and Tech on that schedule as opposed to three others. Oh yeah. Then I think, oh man, 8 and 4 is what we're looking at. I think 8 I think 8 is I'll say I, eight's a bad season. Yeah, with this schedule, eight, eight is a bad season. unless something totally right, surprising right. Just happens. Totally whatever. I actually eight, think eight nine and three bad. is pretty pretty troubling. Nine and three is disappointing with this schedule. Absolutely, as well. nine and three is disappointing. So you guys are locked into disappointing. Um, We're not locked in. This is preliminarily. Okay, well that's what I'm saying. You're you're. I, don't know I may be at twelve and zero in three weeks. Nine, we'll I don't know that nine and three is disappointing. Texas, with this schedule, it is. Texas is a loss you can have. Texas TCU. TCU. I don't know what they are. We're not sure what they're going to be. But yeah, it's a home game too. They though. might have a better quarterback. And then than like they had something, last year. something random at BYU or something. At BYU is not a cakewalk. I mean, uh, that might not. be our most challenging situation. I don't think it's just because of my bias or hatred or going into it. Texas was not a great team last year, and I don't know how many pluses versus minuses they've had in this off season coming into where they are. They are riding so Texas high right now. And I just don't see. They it. are on some. I mean, they lost their best player. Yeah, Bijan Robinson. Was in yeah, NFL. and they've got. Yeah, they had five losses with. They Bijan. are in La La Land at quarterback. Yes. Both, not just with with the backup, but also with the starter. I mean, Starley pretty good against us last year. Against us, and not, not against many others. He looked really good in in a good exit against Alabama. And then not very good right. across the board. He was so. like 18 for 43 or something against Oklahoma State. He slimmed like he up could, a little bit. I think I think he's put in some work this offseason. They certainly could be a playoff team. He cut his mole. That and gives they him an extra certainly win. could be a team that disappointingly loses three-plus games. Well, I hope so. They uh, Yeah, I hope and so, I hope too. they lose 12. I don't actually believe that. I actually want to see us beat Texas twice in the second time in the conference title and the only other game they lost was us. I think it'd be very beneficial if if they can actually storm in, in Tuscaloosa and win that game. Oh, absolutely. It's a huge benefit. Huge. Oh, my God. I won't be rooting for that. That's that's a I won't be rooting for that. I'm not going to be rooting for but it, but it happened, I'm not going to be pissed I, off. I, I will say right now I will be rooting for it. I'm going to root for it. I'm I'm rooting for Texas to beat Alabama. Sick Why not? To hear those words. It helps OU. I think there's three scenarios that could come out of that game, and two of them favor us. One, they go in and win. I think that favors us because Texas cannot handle the well, hype that's already there. Just that, It'll it just be, makes us it's it's better no, but, competition. No, it's, but I just I just their think heads will get Texas too big. is Texas. Oh and they, yeah, they'll just oh yeah 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 yeah. They'll yeah. just like stop trying. You right. know, they'll just oh right. we're so we good. Won we won the national title. Do. Yeah. <laughs> um, another scenario that benefits us, they just get drummed. Well, and yes, they, and, they're brought, all and they're just. But brought, yeah, it's not about confidence at that point. It's about they suck. Yeah, right. I mean, that's, well, I don't think it's. I mean, that's a problem. Bama could beat you by twenty-one, and you're not, and you not suck. Yeah, but that that probably isn't. You're going to look at that, and you're going to say, "Oh, their confidence got shot." No, they just were not a very good team. So if they get beat that bad, they're just probably not that very. Good. They're not the team that they think they they're are not the right team now. they think they are. Yeah. yeah. Now what will suck is if they're not the team they think they are in Alabama, in Tuscaloosa. And then they come into Dallas and they've got stuff together. And that could happen too. And that would suck. There's your nightmare scenario where they, they, they have a loss and they got beat handily and then all of a sudden they beat us because they get their act together. That could happen too. And that's not out of the question. Yeah. Well, on that idea. sour note, 
<laughs> Anything else to add until we get together again? We're gonna I have cannot a lot believe more we are one month out. It's this awesome, has been guys. the weirdest it's off season. I, I'm sure I said the exact same. You thing definitely last year. said the same thing, and I thought it has the been same thing, very odd. Though I mean, it's, it's just been, been a long drawn out off season. I've been so unplugged from it too. I mean, it's been yeah. I'm about to get on my uh, OU rewatch schedule of uh, my favorite games over the next month. So we'll see. You should watch that. Get get some tape. It's hard to find about OU versus Kingfisher College. One hundred seventy-nine to nothing. It was. Yeah, it was I've been an looking amazing, for that one. YouTube it's an amazing, doesn't have a lot of content around. It's a, it's a great one, game. It prayers was really up good. for Mrs. Venables. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah prayers absolutely. For Mrs. Venables, absolutely. Very, very sad situation. Yep. Let's hope for the best. Um, uh, by absolutely, obviously. Um, but we've got a lot to cover coming up in upcoming pods. As a preview, we're going to be making even more outlandish predictions. We're going to talk about teams on and off the schedule. We're going to talk about. Who we think is going to be in the Big 12 title game? Who we think is going to be in the other, in the playoffs? Um, and we got a, a lot of bold predictions headed your way. So until next time, Boomer. Sooner. Sooner.